So has everyone had a good week? I bet you haven't. <laughs> Not everyone would have had a good week. Hopefully most of us had a pretty good week. Um, I might be a little bit tender over the next week. Yes, one of my best friends has left town. My daughter, Michaela. <laughs> it is a bit like that. <laughs> um, so she's moved... Uh, well, she's moving today, heading down towards Geelong. Um, why? <laughs> Who knows? But <laughs> anyway, that's where she's ending up. Um, so it, it's interesting, isn't it? We say goodbye to people, but life goes on. Um, but one of the things I just want to remind us of as, before I get into my message, as Christian parents, as Christian families, is pray for your kids like Billy O. Yeah. Don't forget to pray for them. Um, the reason I'm saying this is some of the conversations I've had over the last months or whatever, as you talk to Christian parents, there's a real danger of that lukewarmness, warmness, 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 warmness <laughs> that we can have when it comes to our family, our children, you know, like especially Christian parents because a lot of us are in the same boat and I'm hoping to do a um, bit of a, not a series, but just a time together teaching out the back about how we as parents can direct our adult children's hearts towards God. But we can get into a lukewarm state, right, um, where our kids are good, they're good people, we've brought them up in the way of the Lord, sure, they're not walking with Jesus the way they should be now, but we get this lukewarmness in our heart where we're like, we don't have that passion to pray for them. And as I said last week, the only acceptable way to live for Jesus is 100%. There's no other actual acceptable way. We do it, but there's no other acceptable way for us to live than to say, God, I am completely yours. And it can be a danger sometimes as parents to stop praying because you're like, it's okay. They're good people. They know about God. But really, if they were off into drugs and running wild and all that sort of stuff... How would your heart be moved? You'd be like, I've got to pray for my kids, man. They're off the rails. They're not walking with Jesus at all. And that is a danger that when God talks about lukewarmness, that's the actual danger that it is, is that, that we, we lose our passion because it's a warmness there. You know what I mean? So I just want to encourage you as parents, don't forget to pray for your kids, even if they're good kids. Because all of us would pray for our kids if they were really, really bad, wouldn't we? Wanting to see things come to pass and God to work in their life. But it's just as important for us to think, you know what? I'm going to pray for my kids to be 100% sold out for God. So just a reminder. That's all. <laughs> all right. We're going to look at something. Uh, we're looking at a journey to the cross over the last week, this week and next week. Um, And, and Matt sort of brought out some things that God had to prepare it a long time before, and it's so true. God knew before the world was created that we were going to sin. He knew that Adam and Eve were going to disobey him, and if it wasn't them, it would have been you or me or someone else, because we just can't help ourselves. There's, this, this, there's something inside of us that just wants more than what we have. And Matt pointed out the only thing that they were told not to do was don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in the garden. One thing. Could they stick to that? No. 
But one thing I wanted to, to really talk about this week is confronting sin, all right? What it took to actually confront sin. Because we often have this sort of passive view of sin. Um, God says that we should hate sin, but I don't know if we really do sometimes. And uh, I might just get our video played now if that's okay. Um, this might be, this is thrown in, so guys, let's hope that it works really well. Might have turned those lights off or something. Hi. When I open the box, I see this thing that looks like a baby typewriter. So I ask, what is it? She says it's a brother P-Touch. She says it's a new electronic labeling system that makes adhesive labels in five sizes, four styles, and lots of colors. First, I label file folders, computer disks, like videotape. I can't, you gotta help me with this problem. What problem? Available at Grandin Toy, Radio Shack, Future Shop, The Office Place, Business <laughs> Depot, and other things. I don't know if you got it. I laugh every time with that. The guys I've seen a psychiatrist saying, I got this problem, I'm labeling everything, even the cat. And he looks at the psychiatrist and he's got labels all over him. And he's like, what problem? <laughs> and sometimes I think that's what it's like with sin. It's like, what problem? There's no problem with sin. I can just do whatever I want. It's actually okay. And then we'll go to our friend and they'll go, what problem? Sin's not a problem. We can live however we want. But what I wanted to talk about confronting sin today is that the price for sin was huge. The price that God paid to actually bring us back to himself was monumental. It meant that Christ gave up his position in heaven, came to earth, lived as a man and died. And he went to that cross, and I'll be reading from Isaiah 53 at the end, about how he had to go through such sorrow, suffering, pain and anguish because of sin. Sin is not a good thing. We think about the world around us today. So obviously there's a war going on that we all hear about in Europe at the moment with Russia as the aggressor. But if you think back to World War II and all those sorts of, sorts of things, there was always someone pushing out because of evil, because of sin. Now the problem is that actually to win a war, there's a high price to be paid. World War I was a big war and they thought it would be the war to end all wars, but then World War II came and all of a sudden there were so many more deaths, so much more tragedy. Because sin always results in death. And I don't think we actually really understand how serious that is sometimes. Because we go about our lives as thinking as though it's okay. I don't have to change things. I don't have to, to make sure that... that um, that I'm doing the right thing by God and, and as we go through the messages this week and next week, we understand that it is Jesus Christ who freed us from sin. But I don't think we really grasp the power that sin has over people. Let's have a look at some verses in, in 1 Corinthians ver, uh, chapter 15, verse 56 is our first one. For sin is the sting that results in death, the law gives sin its power. Romans 6.23, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Galatians 3.22, But the scriptures declare that we are all prisoners of sin, so we receive God's promise of freedom only by believing in Jesus Christ. 
Can you see here that as you read those verses that what is the result of sin in our lives? Firstly, death. Who would like that as a result of what they do? It doesn't just mean a, a physical death, but this is a death that is actually the separation from oursel- of ourselves from God, our Heavenly Father. When Adam and Eve chose to disobey God, that sin entered into the world in a way that actually made it hard for us. Because now there was what was called an enmity or something between us and God. No longer were we able to just converse with him, to live with him, to be at peace with him like we were before because there was this blockage in the way, this thing called sin, disobedience to God. It cut us off from the true relationship that we should have with our Father, the creator of everything. There was a price that had to be paid and the sting of death, sting of sin, death. And even today, as we read through the New Testament and the letters that Paul wrote, he talks about how if we live after the flesh, the results are clear. You'll see immorality, lust, selfishness, greed, all those sorts of things, lying, stealing, cheating, whatever it is. But then if we follow after the Spirit, there's a different thing that happens in our life. All of a sudden, there's peace. There's joy. There's grace. There's a a tender heart that comes from following after the Spirit. And we must remember that even as Christians, we can be tempted to walk back into the old life. In fact, Paul, when he wrote to the Galatians, said, Foolish Galatians, who's bewitched you? You started so well. You knew it was the grace of God that that got you into the kingdom, but now you've forgotten about it and you're starting to live under the law. And what does the law show us? That we can't be right with God. But sin brings death. That's the bottom line. It also makes us a prisoner. It doesn't make us free. So often we think that freedom is doing whatever we want, but actually that is not freedom. Freedom is the choice to say no. Freedom is the choice to live a different life before God. And I wanted to point out this morning that the confronting sin is a really important thing that we need to do in our own lives. And for God to actually confront the sin that entered the world meant that there had to be a plan put in place that would cost him, his son, temporarily. But he gave him up. Sin is not pretty. Sin is not a playful friend. Sin is not a puppy. Sin is a ravenous, raging pit bull that will grab hold of you and won't let you go. If you think you can dabble in sin and live in life, you are foolishly mistaken. We don't have to do it as Christians. That's the good news, and I really want to talk about that next week, the beautiful gift of grace from the cross. But I just want to show you that even Jesus, as he talked to people, said that you have to really consider carefully what sin does. Matthew chapter 18, and we're going to read verse 7 to 9. What sorrow awaits the world because it tempts people to sin? Temptations are inevitable. But what sorrow awaits a person who does the tempting? So if your hand or foot causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It's better to enter eternal life with only one hand or one foot than to be thrown into eternal fire with both your hands and feet. If your eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away. It's better to enter eternal life with only one eye than have two eyes and be thrown into the fire of hell. 
That's pretty heavy. What does it really mean? If we decide we're just going to take it literally, I think we'd all be walking around with no eyes, no hands, no feet. Because we'd moved into this place where sin had got hold of us. What does it really mean? Does it mean if I hear something bad, I cut my ear off? That's not what Jesus is saying at all. But here is this confrontation that Jesus is asking us to think about. What's the cost that I have to do or I have to take? We understand that our forgiveness is in Jesus Christ and he's talking before the cross here. But this is the journey to cross and what he was trying to say is that you guys need to be prepared. You need to understand the, the, the weight of sin. You need to understand that, that if you're walking a life of sin, there's death. You need to understand that there's something more important than living after your own desires, your own fleshly needs, your own wickedness. And that's getting into heaven. Now, if we look at this from this point of view right now, we go, well, that means that, you know, I can get to heaven by being good. That is not what it is. It's about receiving Jesus. But as we read this, it's very, very clear to us that there are some things in our life that we need to actually shut down. The Bible says very clearly that we're to flee youthful lust. There's some things that we need to actually run away from, and that's what it is. So what is it in your life that maybe causes you to sin? It's really interesting. Because God doesn't always say the same thing to, the, to everybody. Say, for example, that you have three TVs. And what you do is you quite often watch the wrong shows. It leads you away from God, you hide from him, you're embarrassed, you're ashamed, it, it breaks down your family, it affects you deeply. God might say to you, get rid of those TVs, cut it off, get rid of them. But then another person, he doesn't say that at all. But there are things in your life, places you go, people you see, where you hang around, where you know that those things are actually drawing you away from Jesus. What are they? Where's a place that you might frequent? Who's a person you might catch up with? What is it that you do that you know every single time you go there that you are drawn away from Jesus Christ and start to follow after your own desire? Jesus is saying right here, cut it off. You might think, but I have to give something up. What's that to eternity? Jesus said it pretty clearly. He said, if a man gains the whole world but loses his soul, it's nothing. Have you ever thought about that? You might have everything you want, everything this, this world says you need, but, but at the end, as you stand before God, is it going to cost you eternal life? Has it drawn you away from trusting in Jesus? And I think also there's that extra warning don't tempt others. Don't be that person that says, hey, how about you join with me in wickedness? <laughs> Jesus is pretty clear that there's a sorrow that awaits the world because it tempts people to sin. Well, that puts me in a pretty hard place, don't you think? 
puts you in a hard place. It's almost like this. Well, I just can't get to heaven. I can't get to heaven. I can't be good enough. You're right. Absolutely 100% right. What do we do? How do we make it? There's only one way, and that's by believing in Jesus Christ. The whole point of the pain that he suffered going to the cross was so that we could be freed, that we no longer live in sin because of the price that Jesus paid for us. But for that to happen, Jesus had to go through horrendous pain. He had to go through horrendous suffering. He had to take the sin of the world upon himself so that we could be free. And we as Christians should celebrate that. We should actually celebrate the fact that God loved us so much that he sent his son Jesus so that we could have eternal life. And what I love is it says it wasn't of our own volition. It wasn't by anything we've done, but it was a free gift of grace that has been given to us. And at the end, if we actually think about what Jesus said there, we would just fall down on our knees and we would go, I just can't do it. I can't make it to heaven. But I just want to tell you right now something that maybe might blow your mind. It's not your drug addiction. It's not your sexual temptation. It's not your lying. It's not your cheating. It's not your unfaithfulness that keeps you out of heaven. There's one thing that Jesus said here. 1 John 16 verse 9. The world's sin is that it refuses to believe in me. That's it. You see, all those other things are all wrapped up in that, do I believe in Jesus? God said very clearly, there, <laughs> Jesus said, there's no other way to the Father except through me. What does that mean? It means that until we accept Jesus Christ, that his death on the cross was for my sin, that I ask him to now be the centre of my life, as I said, that one kingdom living where it's no longer me that lives, but Christ that lives in me. Until that point, sin separates us from God, but what is the sin that separates us? One thing, that we don't believe in Jesus Christ. Because the cross, the death, was so that no longer we would, would we be separated from God, but it actually brought us together with him. The death of Jesus broke down the wall because all those other sins I mentioned before are not what stops us getting to God. Are they bad? Yes. Are they wrong? Yes. Do they need to be dealt with? Yes. But how do I deal with it? By believing in Jesus. 
When I truly believe in him, when I truly turn my heart towards him, that is the point when I become the new creation. The old things are passed away, all things are new. And so sin loses its power over us. Before I'm a Christian, as we read in those first few verses, I was a slave to sin. I just did whatever sin told me to. I was, I was trapped. I was separated from God. But once I received Jesus Christ, I am no longer a slave. I'm no longer bound to sin. Sin no longer has power over me. It actually goes that far to say that sin no longer has any power over me. And as a Christian, you have the power to say no. And it's not because you're struggling against it. It's because Christ is working with you. And as you get to know him and you get to know his love, inside of you comes this change of heart, that transformation that we talked about as the Holy Spirit works in your heart. And now I do things because I do it out of love for him. And sin becomes unacceptable. It becomes disgusting. And it becomes horrible to me. And I'm not giving up anything. I've just rejected the whole lot. Now I live for him. It's such a beautiful thing that we have been privileged to walk into. Not just us, but the whole world has this opportunity to enter into it. And I might ask you this. Does your heart burn for those who are still slaves to sin? I ask this myself all the time to myself. I'm like, Neil, do you really love people? Do you want to see them free? Do you understand that the way they're living is actually leading to death? Imagine you're walking by a house on fire and someone's asleep in a room and you're walking past and you're like, I can't wake them up, they're tired. They're sleepy, they need to sleep a little bit more, but the fire's burning around them and I do not save them. I wonder sometimes as I look at my own heart, do I see that? Am I that man walking by a house on fire, looking at the person asleep, thinking I dare not disturb them, I dare not show them that that sin is actually not good, that it's killing them? Do I hate sin that much? Not that I hate people. But I see the result of sin in the world and sometimes, honestly, I drive around these streets and I'm like to myself, if only everyone was a Christian. If only everyone was a Christian that followed Jesus. Can you imagine what it would be like? And this is what it's going to be like, by the way, so heads up, good life ahead for those who believe in him. No one cheats you. Everyone sells things fairly. No one swears at you. No one abuses you. No one cuts you off in traffic. Everyone's kind and polite. No husbands are cheating on wives. No wives are cheating on husbands. People are being honouring to one another. People are generous when someone's in need. In fact, there would never be anyone in need because everyone's looking out for each other. Everyone had a kind word to say. Everyone looked after the planet. Everyone was seeking the good of everyone for the glory of God, not themselves. <laughs> See, that's a world without sin because sin has destroyed this world. Sin is why children are abused. 
Sin is why people are murdered. Sin is why people are cheated on. Sin is why people are lied to. Sin is why people are abandoned. Sin is why people live in poverty. Because of greed. Can you see how bad it really is? And that's not the way that God created the world. He created this world in such a beautiful way that when he put Adam and Eve in that garden, he said, you've got everything you need. Whatever you want, it's yours. That's the world without sin. And if we can actually understand that, if we can believe that, we can start to live it out. We can start to see, I don't think the result of sin is that great. And we personally start to confront sin in our own lives. We start to look at ourselves and go, wait a minute, I'm not living for Jesus. Wait a minute, why did I just say that harsh word? Wait a minute, why was I just so greedy and selfish? What is going on in my life? Sin needs to be confronted. God knew that, which is why he sent his son, Jesus, to confront that sin. And along with that actually went sickness including our mental wellness. I'm just going to read now from Isaiah 53, and we'll finish after this. This is a prophecy about Jesus coming to earth. Isaiah 53. It won't be on the screen. Just listen or follow in your own Bible. Starting at verse 1. Who has believed our message? To who has the Lord revealed his powerful arm? My servant grew up in the Lord's presence like a tender green shoot, like a root in dry ground. There's nothing beautiful or majestic about his appearance, nothing to attract us to him. He was despised and rejected. A man of sorrows acquainted with deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised and we didn't care. Yet it was our weakness he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. We thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. But he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so that we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. All of us like sheep have strayed away. We have left God's path to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. He was oppressed, treated harshly, yet he never said a word. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. As a sheep is silent before the shearers, he did not open his mouth. Unjustly condemned, he was led away. No one cared that he died without descendants, that his life was cut short in midstream, but he was struck down for the rebellion of my people. He had done no wrong and never deceived anyone. But he was buried like a criminal. He was put in a rich man's grave. But it was the Lord's good plan to crush him and cause him grief. Yet when his life is made an offering for sin, he will have many descendants. He will enjoy a long life. And the Lord's good plan will prosper in his hands. When he sees all that is accomplished by his anguish, he will be satisfied. And because of his experience, my righteous servant will make it possible for many to be counted righteous for he will bear all their sins. I will give him the honours of a victorious soldier because he exposed himself to death. He was counted among the rebels. He bore the sins of many 
and interceded for rebels. <laughs> oh man, it should have been us that died. Can you see what Jesus went through there? Despised, rejected, pierced, whipped, bruised, crushed, counted among rebels, didn't have a family, and although he didn't sin, he took the sin of us upon him. Confronting sin is ugly because sin is ugly. Confronting sin costs because it's costly. Yet Jesus took upon us the sins of us all. It was no small price that was paid so that sin could be defeated. And on the road to the cross, God knew that it would have to come this time when sin was confronted so that freedom could come to many. Perhaps today you've never given your life to Jesus. Today might be the day for that. It's going to have the opportunity for you to do it. We'll just pray. As I pray, you can just pray with me and just ask Jesus into your life. The thing is that we've all sinned. We've all fallen short of God's glory. And we all need salvation. So if that's you this morning, I just want you to pray with me and ask Jesus into your heart, into your life. Father God, I'm so sorry for my sin in rejecting you. That's the sin that this world has. I have rejected you. I haven't invited you into my life. I've wanted to be the king, the ruler. Forgive me today in Jesus' name. I ask that you come into my life. I thank you that Jesus died for me and took my sin. I just want to accept that free gift of salvation. And from this day on, I want to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me, make sure you talk to your friend, your family member you came with. Tell them that you actually invited Jesus into your life today, that you want to follow him. Or you can come and talk with me at the front after the service. I'll be here. Or you can come up for prayer and say, hey, I prayed with you. But what you really have to do is just make that decision to keep following him. And your life will change forever. Perhaps this morning as I've been speaking, you realize in your own life there's things that are wrong. That you actually haven't been terribly worried about things in your life where you've gone away from God that's sin, it's that broken relationship don't reject Jesus today as we're singing I just encourage you to just reopen your heart get back on track with him ask him for forgiveness for where you haven't been listening 
invite the Holy Spirit into your life and you watch things change.